time with personal mommy and daddy and daddy and Victoria and Mojo who is staring at the pillows. And tonight we're going to read a story called Stone Soup by John J. Muth. Did you? Let's get started. Three monks, Hawk, Locke, and Sue, traveled along a mountain road. They talked about cat whiskers, the color of the sun, and giving. What makes one happy, Sue? asked Hawk, the youngest monk. Old Sue, who was the wisest, said, let's find out. The sound of a bell brought their gaze to the rooftops of a village below. They could not see from so high above that the village had been through many hard times. Famine. Famine means that they run out of food. Floods, which is a lot of water, so much water. And war had made the villagers weary, which is tired, and untrusting of strangers. They had become suspicious of their neighbors. Uh, not trusting of their neighbors. The villagers worked hard, but only for themselves. There was a farmer, a tea merchant. What's a merchant? Um, no. A merchant is someone who sells something. So a tea merchant is someone who's going to sell tea. A scholar, which is a, like, like a teacher. Okay. A seamstress, which is someone that makes clothes. A doctor, we know what a doctor is, and a carpenter. What's a carpenter? Builds things with wood. And many others. But they had little to do with one another. When the monks reached the foot of the mountain, the villagers disappeared into their houses. No one came to the gates to meet them. And when the people saw them enter the village, they closed their windows tight. Are they very welcoming? No. No, they're not. The monks knocked on the door of the first house. There was no answer. Then the house went dark. They knocked on a second door, and the same thing happened. It happened again and again from one house to the next. These people do not know happiness, they all agreed. But today, said Sue, his face bright as the moon, we will show them how to make stone soup. They gathered twigs and branches and made a fire. They placed a small tin pot on top and filled it with water from the village well. A brave little girl who had been watching came to them. What are you doing, she asked. We're gathering twin twigs, said Locke. We're making a fire, said Hawk. We are making stone soup and we need three round smooth stones, said Sue. The little girl helped the monks look around the courtyard until they found just the right ones. Then they put them in the water to cook. These stones will make excellent soup, said Sue, but this very small pot won't make much, I'm afraid. My mother has a bigger pot, said the girl. The little girl ran home. As she started to take a pot, her mother asked what she was doing. The three strangers are making soup from stones, she said. They need our biggest pot. Hmm, said the girl's mother. Stones are easy to come by. I'd like how to learn how to do that. And look at everybody popping out of their window because they see that they're making stone soup and they're like, huh, 
I wonder how they're making stone soup. The monks poked the coals. As smoke drifted up, the neighbors peered out from all their windows. The fire in the large pot in the middle of the village was a true curiosity. One by one, the people of the village came out to see just what this stone soup was. Of course, old-style stone soup should be well-seasoned with salt and pepper, said Hawk. That is true, said Locke, as he stirred the giant pot filled with water and stones. But we have none. I have some salt and pepper, said the scholar, his eyes big with curiosity. He disappeared and came back with salt and pepper and even a few other spices. So, so far we've had a lady that has given a bowl and we've had now the scholar has given salt, pepper, and spices. So you took a taste. The last time we had soup stones of this size and color, carrots made the broth very sweet. Carrots, said a woman from the back. I may have a few carrots, but just a few. And off she ran. She returned with as many carrots as she could carry and dropped them into the pot. And so now we have another lady coming and giving carrots. Do you think it would be better with onions? Asked Hawk. Oh, yes, maybe an onion would taste good, said a farmer, and he hurried off. He returned in a moment with five big onions, and he dropped them into the bubbling soup. Now that's a fine soup, he said. The villagers all nodded their heads as the smell was very agreeable. But if only we had some mushrooms, said Sioux, rubbing his chin. Several villagers licked their lips. A few dashed away and returned with fresh mushrooms, noodles, pea pods, and cabbages. So what's everyone doing? They're all bringing their own things to contribute and add to the soup. So it's not just stones. It's a bunch of other things that people are adding to the soup, and they're finally giving to the soup, right? Look, they're all around the big bowl. Something magical began to happen among the villagers. As each person opened their heart to give, the next person gave even more. And as this happened, the soup grew richer and smelled even more delicious. I imagine the emperor would suggest that we add dumplings, said one villager. And bean curds, said another. What about cloud ear and mung beans and yams, cried some others. And taro root and winter melon and baby corn, cried other villagers. Garlic, ginger root, soy sauce, lily buds. I have some, I have some, people cried out. And off they ran, returning with all that they could carry. The monks stirred and the pot bubbled. How good it smelled, how good it would taste, how giving the villagers had become. This is a place that mommy and daddy like to go called Hot Pot. They're making like a hot pot soup. At last, the soup was ready. The villagers gathered together and they brought rice and steamed buns. They brought lychee nuts and sweet cakes. They brought tea to drink and they lit lanterns. Everyone sat down to eat. They had not been together for a feast like this for as long as anyone could remember. After the banquet, they told stories and sang songs and celebrated long into the night. Then they unlocked their doors and took the monks into their homes and gave them very comfortable places to sleep. So in the beginning of the story, they started out not being nice to each other and not being friends. But now, they're all very neighborly and very nice with each other. 
In the gentle spring morning, everyone gathered together near the willows to say farewell. What's a willow? Um, person? A tree? A tree. Thank you for having us as your guests, said the monks. You have been most generous. Generous. Thank you, said the villagers. With the gifts you have given, we will always have plenty. You have shown us that sharing makes us all richer. And to think, said the monks, to be happy is as simple as making stone soup. So what's the most important thing that we learned from this? It's important to what? Share? All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Bye. I'm going to actually read an Arthur author's note about stone soup. Stone soup has its traditional roots in European folklore. There are many versions of the story which have been traced back to France, Sweden, Russia, England, Belgium, and other countries. In the most familiar versions of the story, the soup is made from stones, but in others, it has been made from a nail, an axe, and even buttons made of bone. There are also related stories from Jamaica about a soup-making pot, from Korea about a magic cake tree, and from the Philippines about a bill-paying hat. In the retelling, I took the traditional form of the stone soup story and set it in China. I also used the Buddha story tradition, where tricksters spread enlightenment rather than seeking gain for themselves. The characters Hawk, Lock, and Siu are prominent in Chinese folklore. They are three deities that bestow health, wealth, and prosperity. Hawk symbolizes good fortune and prosperity. Locke symbolizes good health, family happiness, and mutual love. So symbolizes longevity, and he brings good health and long life free from stress and obstacles. In this story, they've taken the form of three Zen Chan monks. In the art, there are symbols from Eastern culture, which have specific meaning. A long time ago in China, the color of the sun, yellow, was worn only by royalty. And while the little girl in the yellow in our story is not an empress, she is someone quite exceptional. The willows mentioned at the end of the story are a sign of parting, and they are things to find, such as noodles shaped like the Chinese word for to teach, and the pile of three stones which form the shape of the sitting Buddha. The two instruments the musicians play are called uru and a pipa. The uru is on the right. There have always been Zen poet monks wandering through cloud-embraced mountains, and it seems to me that they must have at least once found a village with sad houses and done just what Hawk, Locke, and So have done here. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Have a great night.